Good evening. It's fantastic to welcome you to church. Tonight, I want to spend a few minutes and I want to open up a passage with us just to have a little think a bit more about baptism, what it is we're going to be a part of tonight, what it is that we're going to witness. So if you would, we're going to turn to Acts chapter 22, please. Steph, we'll start at verse 6. I think I said in the email, I start at verse 12. Oh, my bad, sorry. Okay, we're going to read Acts 22 from verses 6 to 16. We're going to focus primarily on verses 12 to 16. This is the story of a man called Saul that became Paul. And this is the story of his conversion. Beginning at verse 6, we read, As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. And one, Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me, standing uh, standing by me, said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour I received my sight and saw him. And he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one. And to hear the voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone. Of what has been seen and heard. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptised. Wash away your sins. Calling on his name. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to us. Shall we just pray? Lord God we thank you for the awesome privilege that this is tonight for us to gather together. To witness and be part of the baptism of these three incredible young men. Lord, we ask that this evening you would touch our hearts. That Lord, you would challenge us. You would encourage us. That you would spur us on in our Christian journey. And Lord, for those of us that don't know you, that you would shake us to the very core. That Lord, you would challenge us and reveal yourself to us. In your name we pray. Amen. So this evening we do, we gather together with this privilege with Michael, with Ewan, and with Nephi. We get to join with them in their public declaration of faith. And these three young men standing and saying, I don't want culture, I want Jesus. That is glorious. Tonight is glorious. And what I love so much about baptisms is these three guys are different. They come from different families. They go to different schools. They have different hobbies and interests. They have different gifts and talents. They have different strengths and weaknesses. All three of these young men are unique and wonderfully made individuals. But yet together tonight, they come united because they want to spend the rest of their lives living for Jesus Christ. And I love getting to hear stories. I love getting to hear the stories, especially of our young people, of how the Lord is just coming straight through culture and the Lord is revealing himself in incredible Incredible ways that we're going to get to hear about. And I just want to share briefly from this passage. 
This passage, this conversation that we read of here in Scripture, the story of this man named Saul who became Paul. It's a phenomenal story, one of the greatest conversion stories that we see in the Scriptures. This man, a devout Jewish man, this upstanding and good man, not just a good man, a great man, a great man of the law. As far as religious people went, this guy is at the pinnacle. He persecutes Christians. He's a great Jew. He stands well. But in this passage, we read of God's radical transformation of his life. In this most incredible and mind-blowing way, he is physically blinded. He couldn't see because of this incredible light that shone before him that surrounded Jesus. And he later was given back his sight. And with sight, he had faith in Jesus Christ. Tonight, as these guys share with us, we'll learn a little bit of their lives and their walks with Christ up until this point. And in this passage, we read of God's transformation in Paul's life. For these guys, maybe there wasn't a big blinding light. I can tell you for a fact, there wasn't a big blinding light. And this massive, crazy conversion story that we see here of Paul, yes, they weren't previously outstoning Christians, as far as I'm aware, but... They have their own stories. They have their own experiences. And they were all transformed by Jesus Christ. There's three things I want to pull out this passage. Firstly, Paul was blind. This great light came and shone around Paul. I can't imagine the scene, but the man that persecutes Christians is met face to face with the resurrected Christ. Within that second, everything that this man believes, everything that this man stood on, everything that this man understood, shattered. Imagine Paul's amazement to discover that Jesus was alive. Instantly, everything he was, everything he understood, changed. Paul was physically blinded, but more importantly, he was spiritually blind. He didn't understand. He couldn't see Jesus. He was blind to Jesus. He was blind to the goodness and the love of our God. He couldn't understand. In verse 13, we read that Paul could see. Both physically and spiritually, Paul could see. And in verse 14, he tells us that he can see the righteous one. He can see Christ in all of his glory. These three young men at one point of their life were all at one point spiritually blind to Christ. But through the work of Christ and the actions of Christ alone, all of us are able to find our purpose in life. All of us are able to see the beauty of our saviour. Paul, Saul, the man was blind to his sin. He was blind to his need of a saviour and he was blind to Jesus. Do you know, I went out paintballing yesterday. Don't go paintballing. I did not look like that. Don't go paintballing if you're my size. It really does not end very well. So, <laughs> one thing. We had to hide behind these barrels if we were going through. So, I went to hide and, of course, everybody's crouching behind these barrels and they come up to, like, here on me. So, we're getting ready. I don't crouch very well and I'm a massive target. So, the first game came in and this doesn't have anything to do with the point. It's quite interesting. Um, we were, so, we said, they said, three, two, one, go. I raised my gun and get shot in the shoulder and I was out. Within about two seconds, it happened in another game. But as we were being introduced, you've got to put on these big helmets because 
you'll actually be blinded if you get hit in the eye with a paintball. And they said, what you want to do after every game is you want to spray this stuff on the inside of your screen and wipe it so that you can see. So the first couple of games I did that and it was fine. Um, and then before the third game I completely forgot so I put on my helmet and all I could see was my own sweat I couldn't see a thing and there's something fairly frightening about going out with about 20 other if not more than that other people that have got guns and paintballs and you can't see that was my moment of being blind it wasn't real blindness and thankfully I just kind of hid in the bush like a coward so I didn't get hit didn't hit anybody else but that was fine but that was my experience, as close as I could get to being blind. I think it's interesting as we come to this passage. I think it's interesting to see the work of God. It's interesting that Paul can see, and all of us that are in Christ can see the righteous one. Because these young men can see is why we are gathered this evening. That God met with each one of these boys, with these young men, and he lifted the scales from their eyes and let them see. Verse 14 says, The God of our Father has appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. God made his will known. God appointed Paul. God, God let Paul see the righteous one. Not by anything he did, not by anything that we do. Can we see Christ, but purely by the work of our God? The second thing we read is the witnesses. Paul is now a witness. He has first-hand experience of God's work and God's transformation. He is no longer blind, but now he can see. But he doesn't just get given sight for the sake of it. He doesn't just get given sight so that he can have it and hold it to himself. But now he becomes a witness to Jesus Christ and because we are no longer blind because we can see Jesus Christ we too are witnesses these young men are witnesses to the power of Jesus Christ because they stand here certain of their worth certain of their security and that it comes in Jesus Christ alone they're witnesses to the power and they're witnesses to the love of Jesus Christ they know firsthand what it is to come into relationship with God and to live a life with Him. Have you ever witnessed something amazing? When I was 13, I had a paper round. And at this point, I, I lived in Stirling. And on this paper round, I used to deliver to this farm. And one morning, I witnessed a cow being born. It was traumatic and slightly terrifying. But it was also one of the most intriguing moments of my life. And what did I do when I saw something amazing? I told everyone because it was something really cool. So I went in and I was like, mum, 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 you'll never guess what, I just saw this. You come bursting in the door, I was excited, it was interesting. It was something that I had witnessed that I found interesting. So I wanted to share this idea of being a witness that we don't hold things to ourselves. That Jesus Christ is so incredible that we don't hold Jesus Christ to ourselves. But now we are witnesses to Jesus Christ. Paul became one of the most amazing witnesses in history. A witness that would shape Christianity. That would shape the way that we do church today. A witness that was so full of passion. That was so full of zeal for the Lord. That he was willing to put his life on the line for the sake of the gospel. And tonight that is my prayer for these young men. 
that they would do as Paul did, that they would have that passion and that zeal for the remainders of their life that said, I want Jesus Christ above anything else. He was a man radical in his faith. He went so quickly from being this rule-centered, self-centered man to being a man that had Jesus Christ at the center of everything. The third thing we see is the response. Verse 16. Now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized. Wash away your sins. Calling on his name. These guys know the transforming work of Jesus in their lives. They have been brought from blindness to sight. They are witnesses of God's work. And tonight is their response. Their public response in front of all of us that are gathered to God's work within their lives. What are you waiting for? You've been transformed. That's how this is worded. What are you waiting for? You have been transformed by Christ. So go. Go and be baptized. Wash away your sins and call upon his name. What is baptism? It involves this tank of water behind me. It involves this getting in that tank. It involves these young men being immersed into the water. Hopefully for not very long and straight back out again. What does it symbolise? It symbolises the forgiveness of sins. As we enter the water, as David said, we die a death with Christ. We say, do you know what? My priorities is Michael, my priorities is you, and my priorities is Nephi no longer matter because it is Jesus Christ that matters first and foremost. We are submitting ourselves fully, symbolically to Christ. It says that I no longer carry the weight of my own sin and shame. I no longer carry the burden of my own selfish desires, but instead now I want to live a life that glorifies Jesus. It says my sins were forgiven at the cross of Jesus Christ. Being under the water symbolizes the three days when Jesus was dead. Still and silent. And then as they raise from the water, we celebrate the glorious reality of the resurrected Christ. That all of this is only possible because Jesus Christ rose from the grave. And as we rise out of the water, it symbolizes the new life. The new life that there is in Jesus Christ. It's a life that submits our own desires to Christ. That says, give me Jesus above anything else. If you know and love the Lord Jesus, what are you waiting for? If you haven't been baptized, there's a challenge to you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, the old is gone, the new has come. The old has passed away. The old is dead and tonight we come together and we rejoice in the new life. The life that these young men know in Jesus Christ. And it is a privilege for us to gather and support them and be encouraged by them this evening. Shall we pray?
Lord, you are such a good God. You are a God that is beyond indescribable. You are a God that has given us so much in abundance that we so do not deserve. You're a God that has limitless forgiveness. You are a God that never deserts those that's faith is in Christ. You are a God that walks with us. A God that knows us more intimately than we know ourselves. You're a God that wants relationship with us. Lord, tonight we give you all the glory. We give you all the glory for your work. The work that was only achieved by you. Nothing that any of us can do, but the work that you completed at Calvary. God, we worship you. You are a good and glorious God. Amen.